Haripol, Pranam to you all. Welcome to explore the land of faith together. Today we will talk about Saranagati, surrender, and uh, concentrating on the question, how does faith look like? I will begin by reciting a few prayers as a blessing for our meeting today, and uh, you are welcome to join them. Omakiana Timirandasya, Kiananjana Salakaya, Saksurun Militam Yena, Tasmaisri Kuravena Maha, Vansakalpatarupyasa, Kripas in Hupia Evatsa, Patitanam Panavepio, Vaisnavepio Namo Namaham. Vande Sri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodito Kododaye Puspavanto Citro Sando Tamonudo Vande Ham Sri Ramakrishna Apayat Saranastako Sukado Paramanando Sundaro Supalaprio When we started exploring the land of faith together a couple of weeks ago, I introduced a few questions to guide our journey. What is faith? Where does it come from? How does it grow? What does faith look like? So today we have arrived to the question, what does faith look like? Uh, so we will talk about Saranagati, surrender, as the outer expression of faith. The six characteristics uh, uh, of um, Saranagati or the six characteristics uh, of surrender have uh, originally be, been described in Vaisnava Tantra, accepting, accepting what is favorable to Pakti, rejecting what is not favorable, having faith in God's protection, accepting God as one's only maintainer, giving oneself completely to God and humility, feeling humble. Saranagati has been referred to by many of the great theologians of Gaudiya tradition. And uh, Srila Pakti Vinoda Thakur, the great theologian of uh, our tradition who lived in the 19th century, um, re, uh, he was the one who really took the gem of Saranagati and kind of polished it and introduced it uh, uh, to the Gaudiya community. He wrote a whole book of uh, songs and prayers about Saranagati, surrender, and addressed it from the Gaudiya point of view in relation to devotion to Krishna Chaitanya. So for us, uh, Saranagati is not practice in itself, uh, but it's a limb of bhakti. We do, we do Saranagati in relation to Vraja Krishna, Krishna Chaitanya, and in relation to growth of devotion. So today I'm going to speak about the first four characteristics uh, of Saranagati, accepting what is favorable, uh, rejecting what is not favorable, 
having faith in God's protection and uh, accepting God as one's only maintainer. And then next Monday, Monday uh, I will concentrate on uh, two remaining characteristics, giving oneself completely to God and uh, humility. So um, last week we talked about uh, the, the growth of faith from Sraddha, tender faith to Nista, firm faith, that faith or faith that is informed by revelation. And uh, Saranagati reflects light on this process uh, um, or on, on this growth process from a, from a bit different angle. It is said that the, the six characteristics of surrender uh, are completed at the stage of Nista. Uh, so Saranagati, it's the outer expression of Sraddha, the very first stage. And, um, and um, then, yeah, it's also said that uh, uh, it's completed at the stage of Nista. So in the other words, the, uh, these characteristics of Saranagati, they are with us from the very beginning of our journey. And then they grow stronger and more visible as we move, move forward and uh, our faith grows. The growth, growth of faith that happens inside of us, it exp expresses itself uh, uh, to the world uh, through these characteristics of Saranagati. And also the other way around, engaging ourselves in Saranagati will help our faith to grow. So today I'm going to say a little bit of something about each one of these characteristics or the first four of these characteristics in relation to our spiritual practice and the growth of faith. So let's start with uh, accepting what is favorable to bhakti, accepting what is favorable to the growth of uh, love and devotion in us. Um, that sounds quite rational to me as a principle. Like if we want to grow in faith, we need to surround ourselves with things that support us and help us to move forward on our path. So the question rises, uh, what is favorable for me right now on this specific spot where I am standing? Um, if we decide that we want to run a marathon, um, we will make a practice schedule. And if we are really, really serious about it, we might hire a personal trainer. Our friends will soon notice that uh, we go, go quite often running, despite of the weather. Uh, we go to gym, gym quite often. Uh, we perhaps eat differently. And we talk so much about running all the time. So our goal, goal of uh, running the marathon is, is present in many ways in our life, uh, life uh, in our everyday life, uh, even when we are not actually running, running out there. Um, so similarly, when our goal is to learn to love unconditionally, we engage ourselves in things that support reaching that goal. 
We can find a lot of suggestions and recommendations in the scriptures, like we hear, for example, about the nine limbs of bhakti, hearing, chanting, remembering, serving the lotus feet of the Lord, worshipping the deity, praying, serving, becoming a friend, and completely surrendering ourselves to God. And we hear about 64 limbs of bhakti, uh, 64 principles that strengthen devotional service. And it is said that the most important out of these 64 items are offering water to the Tulasi tree, hearing, hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, associating amongst the devotees, engaging in Sankirtana, and living in Mathura. So there are so many, so many different things that are favorable to bhakti. And especially in the beginning, we can't do all of them. At least like, like at once, we can't engage in all of them at the same time. So we need to, need to use our intelligence in order to discriminate what will support our growth most, but also what will inspire us uh, right here, right now. What brings us joy in our journey? If there are those truly inspiring elements on place in our daily practice or in our weekly practice or, or in our spiritual practice in general, then we can perhaps add some of those things that we know that are good for us, but, don't, that, but which don't come quite that naturally for us. Uh, some of those things that require a little bit of stepping out from, from our comfort zone. If we have a lot of inspiring things, then we can add something a bit more difficult and the whole package doesn't come too difficult as such. Our, our scriptures, they encourage us to know ourselves, to know where we are, and uh, not to pretend uh, to be more advanced than what we actually are. We are, um, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, coughing today, so I hope it doesn't get worse than that. Uh, yeah, so, um, so our scriptures are encouraging us not to pretend to be more advanced than what we, what we actually are. And uh, it's also like what is good and favorable for one person. It might be too much or too little for, for other person. So, so we need to know where we are, are and not, not to compare too much uh, with others. We are also advised not to push ourselves too hard or too little. I find it inspiring how often this kind of advice uh, comes up in different forms. Forms like, uh, like for example, it's a good thing to study, study books, but then we are also advised not to study too many books. And, uh, and um, it, it, it's, um, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. In, in many places, places, it's kind of the advice giving in both, both directions, not too much, not too little. So, um, so it's important to find the right balance between our practice and our other responsibilities. The idea is not 
what, uh, um, what we can do sometimes in the future when we have more time and, uh, and everything is so different and uh, things are so much better than they are right now. The question is, what is helping us and inspiring us today in the middle of all other things that, that are going on in our lives? What is helping us to stay connected to our ideal here? What is helping us to grow in, in our faith and in our service? And the other point is uh, to make time and space in our lives for those things that are inspiring our practice and growth. There's a story about a professor who wanted to give a lesson about time management to her students. So she brought a big glass jar on the table in front of the audience. And she filled the glass jar with big rocks and asked the students whether the jar was full. The students were a little bit confused, but they said that, yes, yes, it's, yes, it's the jar, it is full, full of those big rocks. The professor shook her head and uh, she took a bag full of smaller rocks and put them on the jar. And those smaller rocks, they were able to go in between the bigger rocks. So she was able to put quite a lot of those smaller rocks into that jar. So she asked again students whether the jar was full. And now the, now the students, they were convinced that yes, it really looks, looks full now. Well, the professor, she took uh, again other bag that was full of fine sand and she poured the sand into the jar. And again, the sand was able to go in between the big and small rocks. And then, and then she asked again, uh, or uh, she, she asked the students that what was the lesson of this uh, experiment with, uh, with jar? So one of the students raised her hand and said, uh, the lesson is uh, that no matter how full our calendar is, we can always fit something more in between what we already have there. The professor said, well, actually, no. <laughs> uh, the lesson is that uh, we need to be sure that we put, put big and important things first in our schedule. Because if we fill our days with small rocks, with things that are not so important, we will not have space for the big rocks anymore, the most important things in our life. At that point, one of the students got up and uh, walked in, in front of the classroom. And she had a big bottle of water with her and she poured the water into the jar. And uh, the water was still able to enter between the big rocks and small rocks and the fine sand that were in the jar already. And the student said, it is like you said, professor, we need to arrange our life in a way that there's room for big important things, and also for those smaller things that also have meaning and place in our life. 
And after we have done that, and we feel like our life, life is full and complete, there's still room at that point for the compassion of Vaishnavs. There's always room for the flow of divine love. We can let it flow through our everyday life and let it touch everything that we have there, everything that is going on in our lives. And that will give us a feeling of, of uh, purpose and it will bind together the different aspects of our life so that we can learn to see our ordinary life through the lenses of our ideal. So hopefully some of those big rocks in our personal glass jars uh, are elements of um, spiritual practice. And then in addition to that, we can learn to see things, uh, uh, we can learn to see all things in our life in, in connection to our ideal. And even if we're practicing alone, we feel like, like some of us might feel that uh, there are devotees, there are not other devotees living close by, and uh, we are kind of alone with our, our practice, not always getting support from, from people who physically live close to us. But even if that's the case, we are not really alone, because um, Krishna Chaitanya, he's, he's with us in the form of his name. And there's all, always someone somewhere repeating the same mantra, uh, singing the same song, saying the same kind of prayer, so we can join them in our minds uh, and chant and sing together with our spiritual family. It's like this big, beautiful wave going around the globe all the time, and we can join that wave whenever and wherever we are. The second uh, characteristic uh, of Saranagati, Saranagati is rejecting the things that are unfavorable to devotion, the things that are somehow on the way of our spiritual growth. And uh, I think that part of this comes quite naturally if we keep our focus on the positive side, like uh, embracing the things that are favorable to bhakti and uh, the cross of love. If we, if we use at least some of our time in those things, we will have less, less time for other things that are perhaps not, not so favorable and uh, are not helping so much us on our spiritual journey. And again, here we need to consult our intelligence to figure out uh, what kind of things are in the way of our progress. Of, of our progress. Is it uh, one, of the, one of the six enemies of the mind? Desire, anger, greed, arrogance, delusion, or jealousy? All of those are not particularly supporting our devotion, but is there one of them that is particularly tying us? Or are we suffering from um, low self-esteem that will make us think about ourselves uh, also in the situations, in, in the situations where we, we could be thinking of uh, divine or Vaishnavs? 
do we have a habit of over endeavoring? Well, I'm sorry, I can't say the word, doing too much and um, filling our days with all kinds of things, uh, which at the end might burn us out. Even, even doing good things, things that uh, as such are favorable to Pakti might result in deep exhaustion if we don't take care of ourselves and those who are nearer, nearer us. And it is not easy to learn, learn off, uh, from this kind of thought patterns. It takes some time and commitment. Uh, my Guru Maharaj Bhaktivedanta Tripurare Swami, he talks often about uh, the horizontal and vertical growth. So he's making the distinction between spiritual and personal growth. So if the horizontal growth, growing as human being, helps us to appreciate our spiritual ideal and helps us to walk the path forward, then it's probably a good idea to actively focus on some of those things that are not directly spiritual, but are helping us to move forward towards our ideal. And at the end, like we talked about in our last talk, as we engage in sadhana spiritual practice under a good guidance, the obstacles will disappear little by little. When we invite Krishna Chaitanya in our heart as we are meditating and chanting God's names, the weeds in our little garden are being pulled out so that the creeper of love can strengthen and have room to grow. So, uh, Krishna Chaitanya is dancing on the courtyard of our heart and cleaning everything uh, that keeps us away, all obstacles and difficulties on the path of love. So we can we can trust trust that. I mentioned before that uh, there are so many lists uh, in scriptures describing things that are favorable to Pakti. And in the same way, there are also many kinds of lists uh, about things that are not favorable. Uh, when I'm reading some of those lists, uh, I often get the feeling that they are quite uh, hard and fast and uh, kind of uh, ambitious. From my, from my perspective. Like, for example, um, there are, are suggestions like giving up all material wealth uh, or totally avoiding the company of non-devotees or not talking to women. And, uh, and reading these kind of things, I'm often quite confused, like, what? <laughs> and... Um, and um, um, but then again, when I when I'm reading these things, I'm thinking about that uh, that considering the time and place when when those suggestions were written or spoken, it's likely that that many of them were directed to either aspiring monastics 
or uh, for people who already were living as monastics. And, and also some of them, they were written quite a long time ago in a different cultural setting. So it's, um, I find it interesting to think about like, okay, these were the recommendations uh, back then, but, but what does it mean for me here? Uh, if I want to um, focus on my spiritual practice and really grow as a person, how, how can, I, can I apply that kind of things and recommendations in my life? What, what do they speak to me right here, right now, at this moment where I am? And that's why we need uh, our guides and teachers and friends to help us to figure out how to apply and instructions and ideals in our life in a progressive way, in a way that um, um, makes our heart turn more towards our ideal and doesn't push us away or make us desperate because we are not able to do something that we are reading as uh, in these long lists uh, that we can find. But then, of course, at the same time, there are, there are also a lot of advices in the scriptures that are still very understandable and fresh, even though they, they, they were written a uh, long, long, long time ago. For example, there's uh, a lot of emphasis on how we are talking. Uh, for example, um, uh, don't engage yourself in uh, talking nonsense or saying bad things about others. We are advised to abandon the practice of finding fault in others. And, um, and uh, from the positive side, uh, we are encouraged to be like bees that are searching for the nectar in flowers, for the nourishment of ourselves and uh, for the nourishment of our community. There's an old story about um, a wise leader who was telling a bedtime, bedtime story to her grandchildren. The origin of the story is unknown, but it's often connected with the Native Americans. So the story goes, there are two wolves uh, living uh, in me and in all, in all the people. And those wolves, they are fighting constantly. One of the wolves is representing evil things in us, like anger, envy, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, lies, false pride, and feeling of super superiority. The other wolf is all about joy, peace, love, hope, tolerance, humility, kindness, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandchild thought about this for a while and uh, asked, who is winning the fight? And grandmother answered, the one that you are feeding. So with this story, I summarize these two characteristics uh, of uh, Saranagati by saying uh, whatever we concentrate on will grow.
The third characteristic uh, of Saranagati is having faith in God's protection. It is a mindset that uh, allows us to wake up in the morning and enter each day with trust. Whatever will come along today, I'm not alone. God is there, Krishna is there protecting me. Like he protected the residents of Raj by lifting the Govardhan mountain to shelter them from Indra's anger. Lord Krishna will protect me because he is uh, the friend of the devotees. He's the only shelter for the shelterless. There are beautiful verses in our scriptures that we can read and be nourished by. For example, Srimati Draupadi is describing God's protection like this. Like the sun ascending through the darkness, like a boat for the helplessly drowning, like a rain cloud of sweet waters for the parched dry lands, like a treasure for the impoverished or poorer, like a physician for the deadly afflicted, the Lord Sri Krishna is now coming to bless us with all good fortune. And this, there's another verse by Sri Prabodhananda Saraswati, whom Sri Chaitanya met in South India. And the verse goes like this. Alas, alas, how will the charming, wish-fulfilling creeper of pure devotion ever sprout from the desperately barren plains of my consciousness, despite my predicament, just one great hope awakens in my heart. By chanting the name of Sri Chaitanya Dev, not, nothing can remain to be lamented for by anyone at any time. I'm reading these quotes uh, from the book uh, Prabhana Jivanamritam, Positive and Progressive Immortality by Srila Sridhar Maharaj. That book has been the main inspiration for my talk today. So we talked a little bit about trust in our last talk, like faith in God could also be seen as trust in God. And we talked briefly about how our life experiences affect our ability to trust. For example, if we are, if we are abandoned by, by people who are close to us, or if we have been let down by, by people who have been important to us, um, the trust that we had in them breaks down. And at the same time, our capacity to trust uh, again can be cracked. And when we come into a situation that requires trust, we might notice that it's difficult for us to do that. And um, so I, I think that if the if experiences from, from the bad past have shattered our trust in such a profound way that it is still harming us remarkably, it might be a good idea to, to look for some help um, in, a, in a very material sense. Uh, like, for example, if we are not able to enter into meaningful, harmonious uh, relationships with other people due to the lack of trust, due to the something that has happened in our past, 
it might be a good idea to talk with uh, a psychologist about it. Just like we visit the doctor, if we broke our arm, it is reasonable to take care of our mind if it has been broken. And I, I want to say this aloud, what I just said, because I will also talk about how God can strengthen and cure our trust. And, and, and uh, I, I do believe that uh, when we are able to understand the depths of divine compassion, it, it will heal something in us. But at the same time, I, I don't want to give the false impression that uh, I wouldn't appreciate the modern medicine and psychology that can be a great help, help for us and in, in some situations even necessary so that we can find a balance of mind and uh, leave, leave something behind that is not favorable in the growth of devotion. Uh, in our first talk, we talked about uh, how faith and trust seem to be, seem to come so easily for some people. And we talked about how they have already walked uh, the way before until the certain point, so they are able to move fast forward. They have already experienced uh, something about trusting in God. And after you have some trust already, it is easier to build on that. And trust can also be practiced. It is said that Saranagati is completed uh, at the stage of Nista, the firm faith. So little by little, as we grow in faith, our Saranagati grows. Little by little, we learn to trust more in the compassion of Krishna Chaitanya and uh, in the compassion of our teachers. And, and we can pray and uh, bring our worries to the feet of our Lord, Gora Nityananda. We can acknowledge where we are. I'm still not fully able to trust you. I have all these worries in my life. Please help me to learn, to trust that you are there with me in the middle of all these things that are happening in my life. There's a story. To, today seems to be <laughs> seems to be a day that I'm telling many stories. But anyway, there's a story about a man who was um, hit by a big flood. The water in the river came up rapidly, and the man escaped on the rough uh, roof of his um, house. And he was a pious, uh, God-believing man, so, so he said a little prayer. He thanked God for being safe on the roof and uh, asked God to protect and uh, save him from the flood. And after a while, a small rowing boat came at sight, and an old man who was rowing yelled, Hey there! Would you like to have a lift? Uh, I have a place in my boat. The man on the roof shouted back. Hey, thanks for asking, but no worries. I have help already coming. Soon after that, a bigger motorboat uh, approached and uh, a middle-aged woman shouted at the man and offered him a boat ride to the shore. 
And the man on the roof again shouted back, hey, thanks you, thanks for asking, but no worries. I have help already, comic. And after some while, a helicopter approached uh, and the pilot shouted down to, a man, down to the man, hey, do you need help? We can rescue in a minute. The man on the roof waved back at the pilot and, uh, shout, and uh, shouted, hey, thanks for asking, but no worries. I have help already coming. So time passed. It was slowly getting dark and a bit cold. The man on the roof, he was shivering and uh, he prayed again, dear God, thank you for protecting me and saving me from the flood. I know you are always there with me, even though you sometimes are testing me and trying my patience. I know that you also have so many other people to look after, but please, it's getting dark and cold. I'm tired. If somehow possible, please hurry in saving me. And then God replied to him and said, look, I have tried to save you three times. I sent the rowing boat. I sent the motorboat. I sent the helicopter. My dear friend, what are you expecting from me? So in the same way, we are also sometimes blind to God, God's protection and to the many ways that God is there for us uh, in every single day. And often the compassion of God um, comes to us through Vaishnavs, through devotees, through people in general. Even trees are offering us uh, protection from sun and rain. There are so much compassion everywhere. And we are also called to join that, to help and protect others, to be kind to others. We are not meant to oppress those who are already oppressed in this world. We are called to value Sadhu Sangha, the association of devotees, to encourage uh, the growth of faith and the growth of love in everyone. Accepting God as our only maintainer is the fourth characteristic of Saranagati. This deep trust in divine is often mentioned to be the most important aspect of uh, Saranagati. It's like, like a foundation or ground floor for the house of uh, devotion. Kind of like the other aspects of Saranagati rest on the deep trust and gratitude for the Lord. When we are trusting another person, we tend to see them in a good light. If they say something weird, we are surprised. But then we usually think that there must be some kind of a misunderstanding or a reason behind why they are saying something that doesn't make sense. So, um, so similarly, when we learn to trust in God and trust in the revelation, the statements that uh, might seem at first a bit weirder to us uh, don't anymore, don't anymore shatter our faith. We are able to accept uh, 
that some that, that some things might not make so much sense to us, but there's a, some kind of story to that and some kind of purpose behind everything. Accepting God as our only maintainer, it requires some humility, which is the other aspect of Saranagati. We often want to be strong and make it on our own. We might not feel good about uh, if, if we need to ask for help and uh, receive help from others. And, uh, and it's not necessarily easy to realize and accept that in relation to God, we, we have nothing really. No matter how big we are in this world, no, how, no matter how much material wealth we gain, None of, this will, none of that will help us at the, hour, at the time of our death. Our material wealth uh, will not nurture the growth of love in us. When we learn to admit and accept that at the end everything comes from God, air that we breathe, water that we drink, food that we eat, they all are products of an amazing ecosystem that we human beings most of the, most of the time take for granted. When we learn little by little to trust God and the spiritual practice we are engaging in, we can be sure that whatever happens to us at the end we are safe. We are taking care of each and every day of our lives. And none of the steps we have taken on this path have not gone in vain, nor they will go in vain in the future. Krishna is showing Arjuna in, in Bhagavad Gita how he's maintaining the whole universe. But for us as Satakas, even even more interesting and humbling is to think about how God is maintaining our spiritual nourishment. How God is sending us the seed of faith, the seed of love and guardians to meet us along the way. And watch over the growth of the tiny creeper of love and devotion that is growing in us and how they are with us there in every step of our journey. That kind of deep trust uh, doesn't come easily. It takes time to build. So we can pray that we learn to trust little by little. Please consider me to be a particle of dust at your lotus feet. My dear Lord, kindly accept me as your own. Or like uh, Sri Yamunatsarya is praying, O Supreme Refuge, I am not religious. I do not know the nature of the soul, nor have I any devotion for your holy lotus feet. Therefore, I am lost, I am lacking of all good, and I don't have any other shelter. Such as I am, I surrender unto the dust of your lotus feet. I find the last part especially beautiful. Such as I am, I surrender unto the dust of your lotus feet. We can be just like we are and trust that we are accepted. We can only give our sincerity, our humility and our love, or at least our will 
to learn those things. So today uh, we have talked about the first four characteristics of um, Saranagati. Accepting what is favorable, rejecting what is not favorable for the growth of bhakti, uh, having faith in God's protection and accepting God as our only maintainer. When we look at these uh, characteristics of Saranagati, we can see how compassionate the process of Saranagati is. Uh, it basically meets us anywhere where we are. You don't, uh, you don't really um, need to have faith in personal God in order to engage in Saranagati. If we think about, for example, these kind of life coaching aphorisms that are extremely popular in these days, it's, um, it's basically all about Saranagati. Do things that are good for your well-being. Avoid things that are not good for you. Avoid things that harm you and uh, undermine your balance. Like, for example, avoid negative people because they will make you negative as well. Have trust that life will carry you, carry you. It's, um, it's kind of a similar message than what we have been talking about today. Or we can have faith in God's protection. And at the same time, our understanding of God can be like uh, God is some kind of remote entity kind of a distant figure that we approach mainly in the mood of awe and uh, reverence. But in Gaudiya tradition, like we talked before, for, our, for us, Saranagati is not practice as itself, but it's all, always connected to our ideal. It's always connected to bhakti and to growth of bhakti. So in, in Gaudiya tradition, we practice Saranagati in relation to the love of our life, Raja Krishna, Krishna Chaitanya. Our goal and focus is uh, what will bring me closer to them and them closer to me. What is pulling me in that direction and what, it, what is pushing me away from them? How can I learn to trust in their protection and in their maintenance? Vaishnava Tantra advises us to practice Saranagati in thought, word, and deed. And I quote, by her power of speech, the surrendered soul declares, I am yours. In her thoughts, she knows the same, and in person, she takes refuge in the Lord's holy abode. In this way, the surrendered soul passes her life, her heart filled with joy. So Saranagati connects uh, the ray of faith that has touched uh, our heart to its source, the sun of love that never sets in the land of faith beyond all misunderstandings and doubts. And we are coming little by little, one step at a time. Our faith starts to grow, and so these are characteristics of Saranagati. And as our faith deepens and gets more informed, our Saranagati deepens as well. I will finish today by reading one of the prayers written by 
packed with another takor. Now I have understood, O oh Lord, that your feet are eternally full of sweet nectar that dispels all sorrow and fear, surrendering myself and all that I possess unto those lotus feet. I have laid myself down submissively under their shelter. Your lotus feet, O Lord, will certainly shelter me. There are no other protectors in this world of birth and death. At last, I know myself to be your eternal servant. Now the burden of my maintenance is exclusively yours. In my life of independence from you, I have experienced nothing but misery, but now, upon accepting those feet of yours, all my miseries have been cast away. Desiring a plain, uh, desiring a place at your lotus feet, the goddess of fortune performed difficult austerities. Only after receiving your feet did Lord Shiva attain his Shivatva or quality of auspiciousness. Upon obtaining your feet, Lord Brahma had his desires fulfilled. Your feet are always held by the great sage Narada Muni within his heart. I now hold on to my uh, I now hold on my head those same, those very same lotus feet, which drive away all fear, while I while I dance in great ecstasy, singing their glories. Your lotus feet will surely deliver Paktivinod from the dangerous perils of this worldly journey. Okay, I think we can stop here for today. I would love to hear some of your thoughts and uh, experiences about Saranagati. And if there are any comments or questions related to this talk, I'm happy to hear them. Let's see. Let's see that everyone is able to unmute, unmute yourself and uh, please make sure that you are in the English channel before you ask the question or make a comment. Hari bol, Hari Priya. Hari bol. Thank <laughs> I just wanted to say, because I haven't been able to attend these uh, lectures of yours before, but I had heard from Sargrahi that they were very nice. So I was looking forward to, to, to coming here very much. And I have to say, I'm completely blown away by your lecture today. I don't know when I last heard such a, such a wonderful lecture before. So, so I'm very, very much impressed and super, super happy to have heard all of this nectar today. So thank you, thank you very much. That's what I wanted to say. Okay, there, there was a comment by Prikupat Prabhu, um, who is also my dear friend. <laughs> and, um, and so he was uh, saying thank you for this class and uh, saying some encouraging remarks for me. And, um, and um, I, I have to say that I really appreciate that comment. And also like, for example, Sakirati has been uh, like making similar comments before, before at the end of um, the last talk, for example. 
And um, the reason why, why I appreciate these comments is that uh, they make me realize that uh, quite often when I'm listening to a talk or perhaps reading an article, I might be totally inspired by the talk or by the article, but uh, I, I, I don't usually say it aloud. Like I, I'm not saying a person like, hey, what you said there, it really made me think about this differently or somehow, you know, I have heard this before, but, but today somehow it really touched me. And um, so I'm, I'm really taking this, these comments as uh, an encouragement and advice for me as well to like, um, like act more in that way, way in the, in the future myself. So thank you for the comment. All right. Looks like there are no more. Haribo. Haribo. <laughs> So you don't have to repeat the the English speaking people only if the Spanish translator is speaking or the Polish translator is speaking. Yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, uh, I, I was very inspired when you when you mentioned how when um, uh, if people are practicing alone that they can they can contemplate that many people are also practicing at the same time and in that way one is never alone and um it reminded me of um a poem by Khalil Gibran um where he's speaking about a prayer and I will just read those lines that that I was reminded of here it says when you pray you rise to meet in the air those who are praying at that very hour and whom save in prayer you may not meet. Therefore, let your visit to that temple invisible be for that uh, for uh, invisible be for naught but ecstasy and sweet communion. Uh, for if you should enter the temple for no other purpose than asking, you shall not receive. And if you should enter into humble, enter into it to humble yourself, you shall not be lifted. Or even if you should enter into it to beg for the good of others, you shall not be heard. It is enough that you enter the temple invisible. Hmm. Yeah. Just thought about that. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. That, uh, that, that's a beautiful poem. I don't think I have heard that before, even though I have read some of, some of uh, Kipram's poems. So I have to look that up and uh, and read it again. Thank you so much for sharing. All right, now I think uh, it's time for us to stop for today. I, I don't see any more comments or or questions. So thank you so much for your presence. Uh, thank you for the comments comments that were there. And uh, thank you for the Spanish translation, Kaliuka Pavana Prabhu. Uh, we will continue exploring the land of faith on next Monday, 25th of October, the same time. And then we will be discussing the uh, last two characteristics of Saranagati 
giving oneself completely to God and humility. And uh, next Monday also happens to be the disappearance uh, day of Srila uh, Narottama Das Thakur. Uh, so I will say a few words uh, about his life in relation to faith, surrender and humility. So I hope to see you all there. I offer my gratitude and my hope to learn to trust at the feet of my spiritual teachers and at the feet of Vaishnavs who are like wish-fulfilling trees full of kindness and compassion for all living beings. Sri Gaudiya Vaishnava Guru Prampara ki jai, Sri Lopakti Vinoda Thakur ki jai, Gauranityananda ki jai, Pakti Devi ki jai, Gaurapakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaura Premanande Haribol. Srimati Haripriya Dasi ki jai. jai.